What would you do if we poked you in the axiom? The purpose, to ask questions and engage in dialogue about subjects that we call axioms. An axiom. A statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. These are the underpinnings of our thought, our belief, and the ways that we live out our lives. A question. An examination to determine the validity and or meaning. Dialogue. The process of determination. The process of our examination. Welcome. Welcome to What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom. I am your host. My name is Malcolm Fowler. And to my right... Mike Dion. And to my left... Thomas Barton. I even gave you a cue, Mike. I I'm tried. sorry. I was I was looking at this and then looking at Thomas, and then I was like, right. Wait, am I as right? <laughs> we were both trying not to crack up. <laughs> we are glad that you are with us for our next episode. We are going to venture into new territory, or at least, at least uh, we're going to continue on. We uh, ended our last series of episodes with good and evil, and we are going to pick up from that, and we are going to... Uh, begin a new axiom, new axiom today. And so, so we're going to take a, a little bit of time and I just, uh, I want to sort of remind ourselves of, of, of this that we do here and why it is that we do what it is that we do here, this thing. Um, but we're taking, we're taking a look at these axioms. We're taking a look at these, these, these matters at these subjects, um, these things that are sort of, as we said in our opening, that are regarded as uh, regarded as as being established, they're regarded as being self-evidently true. And I suppose that in some way, what we're saying is is maybe they're not quite as self-evidently true as we all think that they are. And so, this is why we tend to be a little bit long-winded. Um, it's, it, it, I don't think it's just because we like the sound of our own voices, although. Part of it is that too, probably. I like talking, but then when I hear my voice, I cringe. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Well, we do like talking. And these are, we try to, we try to approach subjects that, that we, we know that we are going to uh, have something to say about and we know that we are going to enjoy talking about. Um, because, and oftentimes there are things that, that we think sort of need to have a, that, that our, our culture, our society right now uh, needs to have a discussion about that. They need to examine these things. They need to dialogue about these things rather than just, rather than just evolving into yelling and rather than just um, ignoring them because we think that they're they're things that are important. And so, so with that being said, uh, our last series of episodes we were talking about good and evil. And so this this uh, series of episodes we're going to venture into the territory of morality, into the territory of morality. Uh, and we think that this is a natural fit. We think that this is a natural progression. We see this in our conversations, and uh, we, you know, we have planned out some things, some axioms that we have talked about that we know that we want to talk about. But as we as we have a conversation, as is the nature of a conversation, it leads us into into the next subject. And so, uh, as we as we thought about what it was that we had talked about with good and evil, um, it was clear to us that the the doing of those things was part and parcel of, of the whole of our dis- discussion of good and evil. The, the acting out of these things was something that was, uh, that was clearly there. And so, so with that in mind, we're going, to, we're going to pick up our axiom today of what is morality, of how does it work itself out and where do we see it. So morality, that is our, that is our axiom for today. 
Excellent. Go, think, go ahead. I think morality are the uh, rules and customs which come into play when true goodness is lacking. That's a very Thomas answer. <laughs> I can only be myself. Well, <laughs> here I stand. Yes. <laughs> here I stand. I can do no other. I can, I can only be Thomas. Um, yeah, it's the, well, it's the, it's the, it's the lacking part, I guess, that, um, can you repeat what you said for one more, for our listener? I think morality is the rules and customs which come into play when true goodness is lacking. The rules and the customs when true goodness is lacking. So, in, so if there were goodness, there would need not be morality? Yeah, we would need moral codes if we were good. If we so, d- like, but. Well, I was going to say, because morality is basically a conversation on what, you know, philosophical ethics is the conversation about what the good is and how it is acted out in society. What are the, you know, the uh, principles that dictate acceptable behavior within society? Is it universal? Does it differ across different cultures, et cetera? Um, But I think morality... Well, morality can be used to dictate the acting out of the good. I still think it's different from the good. That in the conversations of morality, the rules that we would come up with to dictate our behavior are presupposing that our behavior is in and of itself not good. I, I see a, a, a place for morality as the struggle to determine what is the best in a particular situation. So rather than saying like, oh, I'm about to do something that is not good and so I need a moral code to restrain me from that, um, I find myself in a situation where I don't know what, you know, there, there might be good and bad in each option and I'm conflicted in, in that the reality of life is this is messy and so I need to find some way to gauge which is the best option. Um, you know, I'm out of money, but I've got a bunch of bills due. And this might not really be as much a moral question as just a fi- financial question. And I'm not out of money. Please don't send me a bunch of money. Uh, or do. I mean, or do. That's fine. I'll probably have to share it with these guys. But uh, <laughs> um, unless Depends you send it how directly to my PayPal are. account. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I have been there where it's like, okay, now I have to choose – which thing do I not pay right now? Uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm using some good, bad, best, worst case scenarios to determine that. But um, I've been in circumstances uh, as a member of a church where we've had to look at a very complicated marriage, divorce, uh, legal stuff, re not marriage, but you know, twenty years of a family of unmarried. You know, like, what are the what's the right thing to do in that situation? What's the moral step to take if if you're assuming a biblical approach to marriage and remarriage and, and that kind of thing? Um, you know, do you say, well, you've been together for 20 years and you have kids together, but you have to leave this guy and go back to Florida and marry, uh, you know, stay with the guy that you're still married to, that the courts ordered you to separate from or you'd lose your children? Like, it's a very complicated situation. So I don't... I don't know if, if that's presenting a different approach to morality or if it's... I'm well, you're just trying rambling. to figure out what is the good in that situation. So for yeah. 
<clears throat> so that would so morality in that sense would be how to discern and act out the good. Could we say that? Yeah, and I would I would say that morality is far more about the process. I would say that morality has has far more to do with the process of determining what is right action. That it it it's a and and Mike, when I hear you describing the situation that you're describing, I think that the, there's a difference there between like what is the letter of the law versus what is the spirit of the law. I, I think morality comes into that conversation quite a bit. Yeah, and I guess that's I. So the the determination of of it, you know, unfortunately, where we tend to be a little more concerned with the with the the letter of the law. Um, it's easier to systematize the letter of the law. Yeah, and that's what I mean when I say... We like systems. Yeah, yeah, we definitely like systems. And, and morality is a funny thing because sometimes it's systematized very formally and sometimes it's systematized very informally. There's just a series of expectations that are upon you, and if you don't do these things, you're bad. Right. Well, I also think that morality is is deeply relative to the culture that you're in. Um, at least, let me back that up. The form of morality uh, may not be, but the the reality of the culture that you're in is going to dictate a lot of that morality in in an unconscious way, even. Yeah, and 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 it's interesting, sort of living in a global world now where when, <laughs> moralities collide. Yeah, well, very much so, very much so. Um, you know, the idea, okay. The, the idea that, like, one person is less than another person right. because of the state of their birth, because of their, they were born into a, into a system uh, that's, a, you know, like a caste system, right? Because they're on the wrong side of an imaginary line. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, or, or not an imaginary line, maybe one that somebody drew, right? Or, or built. Or built, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or... or um, there's a number of different ways that you could define the line, right? Right. Um, and so, so my 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 point being is that like you know there's a there's a portion of our world that says like well that's not right, and then there's the portion that lives in it that says like, well we may not like how it works out, but it is how we it is who we are. This is the way. <laughs> so I would agree that morality. Market. It was ten minutes from. We... <laughs> as, as much as I as much as I. Uh, <clears throat> dislike relativism i think morality is in our world largely relative relative it absolutely is yeah i mean because that's and that's why i differentiate morality from the good but it has a relationship to the good and it, it has a relationship yes. to the bad which is why we're talking about it so that's so like i think when what we're talking about most of the time and what we're talking about when we talk about morality is not what is actually good, but what is acceptable. What is acceptable behavior in the society that we live in? Are what, you, is be, what is behavior that will not get me in trouble? What is behavior that will not, you know, shame me or my family? What is behavior that will, uh, you know, allow me to live with the least amount of consequence? In one way, I would agree with you, um, because I think what you're saying is is that something that you had referred to before, in order to be a good person, you just have to not be a bad person. Right. Right? And and that's true to a certain extent. 
Uh, and, and in many ways, I think that that is reflected in, in the morality of our culture right now. Like if you just keep your head down and you never get a ticket, you know, right. and, you don't, you, you, you never steal anything, you don't kill anybody, right? Then, and you keep putting food on the table and you pay your bills and all those like pretty normal things, right? Like you get to sort of be viewed as like a relatively good person in, in, in this world. And I think we live in a largely immoral culture. Well, if, if no, morality is truly I, the acting out of, oh, I'm not saying we don't have morality. Okay. But I'm saying that what we consider to be moral in our culture is not. What we consider to be moral is not good. Well, not yeah. Moral. Like we're not like, we're not talking about the acting out of the good. We're not talking about um, like <laughs> true good. We're basically just trying to put restrictions on the inherent selfishness that's inside of all of us. And we're trying to make it so we can all be as selfish as possible without hurting each other. Ever the, ever the pessimist Thomas is. Uh, I, I call it realism. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've had that conversation yeah. before and I, I do yeah. identify as a realist myself. Um, but I, no, I think that, I think that there are, I think that there are ways that morality is conceived of today in a positive sense. Um, oh yeah. I'm not arguing I think, that we don't conceive of it that way. Right. But, but, a, but we need to see it as such. We need to see it as like, like they're looking at it as, as, as like, we have to pursue this good. Like in order to be good, you have to pursue this or like you have to behave in this way, not just not do something, but like sort of outwardly do something right. Um, in a way, in a way, wokeism is a little bit like that. They're extreme moralists. Yes, absolutely. That's and 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 so that's why I think they're like a good example here. They're actually very much like the Puritans, just with an inverse belief sort system. Of, yeah, I was gonna say like, but I mean like, <laughs> burn the heretic, cancel them forever, no forgiveness, no mercy, expel them from the community. That wasn't entirely the Puritans. Wasn't entirely not either. There's a, yeah. Well, I don't need to, I'm not here to defend either the wokeism or the Puritans or Thomas's unnecessary analogy between the two. But um, there, no, 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 I, I, I hear what you're saying though, that like, you know, in a way they're, they're very, you know, the idea of, of wokeism is a, is a very active thing, right? And that's, and so that's my pushback on the whole like, morality is just a restraint because I think that there are examples that we can see even today where morality is, is, is not just a restraint, but it is a, it is, there, there is like an outward momentum to it. There is a, there is a, a, a piece of it that you have to, you have to sort of outwardly be right. It's not just a, ah, don't do this. Don't do that. So because that's, that's, that has a smack of like fundamentalism. Well, so maybe that's my biggest problem with what we call morality today is that it is all outward. It doesn't matter what you have in your heart as long as you okay. repeat what you were told to repeat and assent to what the society around you is forcing you to assent to. You're just another brick in the wall. It's all in all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to eat my pudding before my meat, though, guys. It's... So it doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter <laughs> Wait if... Wait a minute. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you go home and really you hate all those things in your heart. As long as you present the facade of acquiescing 
to what you're demanded to acquiesce to. I don't know if that's the thing that you hate. Did I use the word hate? Uh, maybe. I'm not going to roll the tape back. Yeah, I said can't stand. Okay, can't stand. Try to remove hatred from my heart. It's very difficult when it comes to this topic, though. Are you trying to morally remove hatred from your heart? I'm trying to... Uh, are, you trying to are you trying to restrain your own behavior? I'm trying to turn lead into gold. <laughs> <laughs> not by your own efforts. <laughs> not by your own efforts. Listen, I know a guy who could turn some straw into gold for you if that's... Uh... I got a bridge uh, in Brooklyn <laughs> that I have for sale. <laughs> um, the okay, so the the positive piece of it, or the outward piece of it, right? I I hear what you're saying, and I think that that okay. Here's here's what I th- think I hear you saying because I I think this is what what you mean. I'm going to tell you what you mean. <laughs> How very woke of you! It is. It is. Let me let me reinterpret your words for you, so that <laughs> so you, what you really mean, what is you really mean, this is what you really need to Kathy say. Kathy Newman and everyone. I think that I think that the problem with morality is is that yes, it does restrain. Uh, it both restrains us uh, negatively and positively. It restrains our behavior um, to not do something which would be considered unacceptable or bad or immoral or amoral, well, immoral. Uh, and it also can positively or outwardly. Uh, cause us to do good. The problem in either place is that it doesn't actually change the inner person. It doesn't actually, and this is something going back to the good and the bad that we talked about, that there's a motive uh, that we identified when we were talking about what is good and what is bad uh, that we identified with doing good and doing bad. That there's a there's a motive that we talked about with um you know, our perennial example, Hitler, right? Well, there's all types of schools of ethical thought as well that believe for an action to be truly moral, the intent behind it would have to be moral as well. And that's something that we affirmed when we were talking about, you know, we we made up the, the, the hypothetical situation of somebody who said that they could, you know, solve solve hunger in, in Africa, but their their reason was not to like better the lives of people, but to make themselves a billion dollars. Yeah. So is that a moral? Th- is is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Um, does morality... Is morality the gray space in between good and bad? I I still look at it as a as a way to try to make it make sense in context of here and now. I guess that's what I mean when I say the gray space. Okay. Like yeah. the, the... I don't... I don't necessarily know exactly what to do in this in this situation, but I've got to figure it out somehow. Right. And so we have, you know, in our different societies, we have different standards that we consider moral, and those help us make those decisions. Um, you know, as people somehow connected to Christianity in one way or another, right, we have a lot of Christian moral ethics that are going to influence those things. Um you know, I, I feel like the three of us would would all feel like uh, cheating on our wives would be an immoral choice. And in, in most cultures, I think they would agree. But I, I am friends with some people who don't take that same stance. And they, you know, there's a subculture of people that are like, hey, you know, no, this is this is fine. As long as everything's consensual with all parties, then life I is good. See, I wouldn't consider it immoral because I think it goes deeper than morality. I would consider it sin. 
which I'm sure you would as well. Right. So, like, sin is not just... Something that is immoral. It's a transgression against being itself. It's a transgression against God. But I, I think that you can have a, more, a framework of morality that does not reflect what I would call good and bad properly. And it would still be the framework of morality that you're using to make those decisions. And so in your worldview, you're, you're a moral person. Right. So, yeah, that, that's touching upon, like, how relative morality is in the world that we live in. Yeah. Because there are some people who think, yeah, it's, you know, as long as my wife doesn't care, you know, open marriages, I guess, uh, yep. polyamory, all that type of stuff. <laughs> it's uh, a new phrase that I've heard is um, ethical non-monogamy. Ethical non-monogamy. Which is like, how can I be as selfish as possible without committing my soul to another human being ever? The idea of like consenting adults, right? Yeah. Like whatever you consent to, that's okay. Right. So so that's an interesting point because um, the standards of morality, and, and we sort of touched a little bit upon this, um, who gets to determine them? In a godless society, the person with the most power. So communism. Um or not ca- just communism, I suppose. Or capitalism, <laughs> like whatever no. benefits. It's just the first example that jumped to mind. I mean, like in a capitalist society, I'd say the moral behavior is what benefits the stock market the most. It just gets, so we don't it, make it, fun of communists too much because it's they're an easy target. Well, uh, <laughs> sure. Both places have a lie put to it at some point in time. And I think that that's when... When the need hits home, because the, and and again, you know, the the morality that we're that we're talking about is, um, it's all fine and good until until it requires sacrifice on my part, right? And so, um, you know, like you just said, Thomas, you know, what benefits the market the most is the most moral thing. It's like, yeah, until that begins to affect, you know, my family. And then, and then I'm not so sure that I'm as comfortable with that. And so I've had a hole poked in my, poked in my worldview. I mean, how, I wonder how much it would, in that, with this example, how much it would actually take for people to start having that hole poked. Because I think that what we have in our system today largely is a system which gets people to love their chains. And to beg to, to be enslaved. I see a lot of thought that that's contrary to that. But I, I think that there's a, a lack of knowing what to do. I think it's more like this is a problem that's too big for me to understand. Um, so take, take the morality of doing what's best for the stock market. How many people – I mean my, my wife and I even at one point were both working for companies where the CEO is making – plenty of money but we qualify for food stamps like how how is that a good circumstance and you can see plenty of people who would would openly say and frequently do say that like this is totally a broken system but then what to do about it there's no action and i I don't think it's a, a laziness on anyone's and i there is some action out there but i think it's there's a overall it's just a yeah look at how bad this is Ugh. 
Well, is that a question of like personal morality versus the morality of like a system? It may be. It may be. To be true, we, to I, be true. Well, I just think that we can. I think that we we get those we blur those lines and we mix those things up a lot. You know, um, we do it with the poor. Mm-hmm. Um, to to sort of stick with your example, right? Like, um, there 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 are those people out there who would say, you know if you're on food stamps in some in some way, you know, it's probably your own fault. And it's oh, probably your I own felt f- that so hard. Because, you know, because you're not working hard enough or you're, you know, you're not you're not saving your money or whatever it is, right? And so like there's this sort of underlying, even if it's not overt, it's a it's a sort of saying that like you're a bad person. So there's a moral yeah. element to that too that we that we throw in or throw at the poor. Well, and that's kind of what I mean by like, instead of, you know, people looking at the economic system, which has created such imbalance, they say, Oh, it's the poor person's fault. It's like people are like, well, you know, look at a $15 minimum wage argument. I hear people all the time. Look, that's just going to make things more expensive for me. If minimum wage had simply kept up with inflation, it would be over. Either, yeah. It'd be over twenty one dollars an hour today. Or maybe we wouldn't have as much inflation. Like, 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 corporate salaries have kept up throughout the decades with inflation. The price of things have gone up, but working wages have not. And what we do is we shrink back at the idea of ever raising those working ra- wages. It's like, well, it's going to cost more. And we don't ever think that, well, maybe if we have a system that is so heavily imbalanced that we're so afraid of costs going up that it is a hopelessly corrupt, immoral system. Say the, say the last part again. If, if this imbalance can be, is caused by the system that we're in, like, I've... You then maybe we have a hopelessly, a hopelessly corrupt moral system. Moral system, yeah. And I mean, I've 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 had you know friends who are you know I think relatively good people who are like, oh, we it's it's going to make things harder for me. If we raise it's like they should. This is what and this is what I mean by getting people to love their chains. Is that it's happened so incrementally, and they've taken away so much at such a slow rate. That now we're afraid to have what little we have removed. Like we'd rather keep that little than say this is wrong. This is just wrong. And maybe it is also because there's nothing we can do. We don't know what to do. That's obviously true. Well, and uh, maybe like in the like solution that's being proposed to us is equally horrendous. Any true solution. It, from a, I think, from a moral standpoint, would require sacrifice from many. Yeah. Um, not lack from many, but sacrifice from many to eliminate lack. And and I think that that has a scariness to it. Um, and not to say that people don't want to make sacrifices, but I think that with it comes a picture of that's going to put me in a place of lack. I brought this up before. I think I don't know, I can't remember was when we were talking about freedom. When you know, you had not even ten years ago, the Occupy Wall Street movement, or maybe it was around ten years ago, 
And people were like, this is clearly, like, terrible. And I didn't like the Occupy Mall Street movement either because I don't like crowds and, you know. <laughs> well, you're agoraphobia. Then yeah, like like group. Misophobia. Group think, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and the madness of crowds. But, like, they had a point. But then all these corporations were like, hey, if I, like, put a rainbow flag up. I was thinking about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you'll support me. And they do. And it's like like uh, the when when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for the flag and the Nike ad came out where he's like, you know, no matter if it costs you everything, you know, just do it or whatever. And it's like, you guys run actual sweatshops. <laughs> a- Apple has suicide nets around it, around yeah. their factories. So these... People Pe- don't jump off the people roof. People don't jump out. People are on their iPhones like, oh, smash capitalism. So put your iPhone away. Stop buying it every year. Like you are, like you have blood on your hands. We all have blood on our hands. Well, like don't act like you care. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. When you were talking about the the immoral system, there's a thought ran through my head, which is like, yeah, but it's our system. Like we built it. People like Steve Jobs. He was so into Zen. It's like, oh, great. I'm glad that he read some Zen text. The guy was a monster. I mean, like, you, he, so he he was definitely a the, jerk. But yeah. What I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is, is that the system that we have in, in, in our capitalist society is one that we created, even if we created it relatively unconsciously and bit by bit and increment by increment, right? But it's like, it exists because we allow it to exist, right? Because we, because we continue to pursue the things that, that, that we're sold, we don't, and, and I understand, I think that this is your point, but like, I'm not going to sit here and, and rail against, you know, individuals when the blame is, is clearly upon the whole. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's myself included. Um, I am just as much a part of that system. And, and so, you know, you... To live a to live a life outside of that looks odd and and at times looks rebellious, um, but I think that that's what's going to be necessary in order to live, um, in order to live according to like some sort of better morality and according to live, because I don't even know if that if if that would be if that type of morality would be approaching what is good and what is bad, or what is evil, what is good and what is evil. I think it's just a it's just a something that has been accepted as right or wrong. And I'm making a distinction between good and evil and right and wrong. Um, because I think that there, I think that there is a distinction there because right and wrong, um, you know, as we're talking about morality in this way, become relative, they become a, they become a relative term. And, and I mean, you have a good point in saying, what is it that changes that? What, you know, what is the, what is the thing that changes that? And when it, has grown to the point that it is, it typically takes some big something, whether it be, uh, whether it be a calamity, uh, whether it be a disaster, whether it be, um, a war or, or a famine. Um, it'll be some type of death because the, the, you mean like we've had? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, so unhindered growth is basically the capitalist framework continuous growth over and over and over, which is the philosophy of a cancer cell. And cancer eventually kills the host. 
So, I mean, like, you, it'll get big enough where it'll collapse. I think that in the past, I think that there has been a restraint on a capitalist society. And now that restraint has been taken off. And so, in a sense, I think that there was a moral system that held back a capitalist society. Yes. And that what, now that was, and it's and it's ironic that as we're as you had identified a, you know, uh, uh, morals as a restraint, that now you know this the system that we have is unrestrained, and that that seems to be the that seems to be the the the, the problem with it. I don't I don't particularly have a problem with, you know, technology or clothing or fashion or any of that thing. or even free market exchange no I none, no I, I don't have i don't have any problem with that i have a problem with the the unrestrained nature that it seems like that we have now um and and it has i mean you know we already referenced one pink floyd reference uh, or one pink floyd song why not another one but i mean it is it's like welcome to the machine huh. here it is I mean, this is why I say if morality is really a working out of the good, we live in an immoral society. I don't think it's just a working out of the good. I think it's a working out of the bad, too, because you have to know. Uh, it's, it's your point, Mike. It's like, where do I stand here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's, I think, I don't know. As I thought about morality and as I thought about, you know, this episode, it was really the process. And when I thought about the process of, like, det- the determination you know, in a, in a sense, just very much like what what we say in our opening here with 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 what would you do if we poke you in the axiom? It's that process of like of determining what the thing is, and 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 it's a, it's in, it's very difficult. It's almost impossible uh, to do that in a number of different ways. Um, it, to to talk about the process of determining what is right and what is wrong, there's a whole bunch of other things that you have to that you have to take into account, which like you said, Mike, was what makes some of those situations so complex. Um, and and the truth of the matter is, is that it, it feels very much that we don't have a baseline from which we are working on anymore. Hmm. It's because we've thrown metaphysics out the window in transcendence. Material society has no right to talk about the good. So who determines what is moral? In our society? Or like if... In it's a general question. Sense. It's a general question. I mean, it, we can talk about it in our society. We can talk about it in a metaphysical sense as well. Who did, who, how do we make those determinations? Well, I think it was originally worked out in community. I agree. And we don't have that anymore either. Well, I'm a big... Except on very micro scales. I think I think community is probably the, the it's the it's I was going to say the biggest thing that we're lacking right now. I think it's the thing that we're lacking that is hurting us the most. What do you think, Mike? Where does morality come from? Morality comes from my list of do's and don'ts, and that's all. No, um, always let your conscience be your guide. Yeah, I actually have a cricket I carry around with me. Uh, <laughs> I have a button for that too. Um, Got a cricket for a conscience. He always looks the other way. Hey, it works out. Bright Eyes reference. Oh, dang. A what reference? Bright Eyes, Connor Oberst. I only know one Bright Eyes song. Sorry, proceed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Man, so, again, falling back to 
my Judeo-Christian framework, I think that, uh, you know, morality stems from God. That would be, that would be my starting point. But again, I also recognize that what any person means by that is largely dictated by the theological framework that they have personally adopted for one reason or another, um, the subculture in which they find themselves, um, and a lot of their upbringing, like how they're going to interpret all of those things. Uh, you know, like if we're going to say, hey, we're going to look at the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about X, Y, and Z. Sure, there's going to be some overlap, but there's also going to be a lot of difference. And you're still going to be stuck in a position where, okay, so what's the moral choice in this situation? This guy over here says I should do X. This person over here says I should do Y. They're all pointing at the same stuff and telling me different things about it. Um, so if you can look back to community, community is the piece that at least in, if we're looking at local community and not just like now we live in a world where you can have your internet tribe and your social network group over here and all this. So you have different forms of community, but in a local geographic community, we can at least agree on here's how we are going to live here. This is what we're going to allow. This is what we're not going to allow. I think in that larger framework, that's really ultimately how it kind of has to work. Can I, can I throw something in there about that community piece? Cause I've, I've thought about community a lot because I think that, I think that a lot of these axioms that we've talked about have a real community aspect to them. And I think morality, good and evil, like they're, the they're guy who's trying right to do a lot of like community oriented work has thought a lot about community. I'm I know. Surprise, surprise. Shocked. Um, so it's, it's funny because you said, you know, your community, like those people, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now are, I think that, I think that each individual has a community, right. But those communities are not community. Right. Well, so, we're, we're, we're have, interconnected in, in yeah, broad ways. Yeah. We have big Venn diagrams in our lives. Yeah. And, and so we have, um, we have all these people that we're connected to, um, which is natural because we're social creatures and we're, and we're going to do that. Right. Um, but oftentimes those people have no interactions with one another. Right. So it's like that Venn diagram, you know, and like you're the person at the center of it. Right. And most of those circles maybe not most, but many of those circles don't, don't interact, inter, interact with one another. This is very, and there's like a psychological piece to this, which is, um, as I understand it, like you, you have space in your life for about 150 to 200 individuals. I think we've talked about this before and I've always said like, I have way less. I was going to say tithe on that. That's what, yeah. <laughs> tithe on that? Yeah. Like 15 to 20. Right, right. Well, that's moving in like a circular nature, right? So like you're, the, the people that are closest to you are, are, mm. are going to be, you know, a very small number and then that's yeah. going to move out. But at its, at its biggest, about 150 to 200 people. And that is, is something that you can, you can look back throughout history and, and see that. Like you can see that in a lot of times. One of the places that you see it is in um, like medieval villages. Like that tended to be the size of a village, right? And that, was, that tended to be the size of like what a community had capacity for, right? Um, The interesting thing is that community has always had a geographic aspect to it, right? And when it has a geographic aspect to it, there's a survival aspect to it as well. Mm. Because now, like, your neighbors become very important to you because when you have a lack, perhaps your neighbors could help with that lack, right? Um, 
And so morality sometimes has a lot to do with the value of human life. Is it good to to feed your neighbor? Right. I would, I it, 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 it may, you know, there's, there's sort of like areas of it, you know, because it, if your neighbor's starving, then yeah, it becomes a good thing, right? If your neighbor's loaded, maybe you shouldn't be sacrificing your last goat to feed them when they say they're hungry. But the community thing, I like what you bring up about the community thing because, because I really do, I, and I'm, I'm glad that we went there because I know that we needed to. Um, that when we talk about morality, it has a huge community aspect to it. It probably, I would say, it's the biggest aspect to morality. Also, in, in at least a human standpoint. Go ahead. Let's look at like the word community, right? What it actually means, and see if we can say that we have it. If we're talking about morality coming from community, like we get the word community from communion, being you're in communion with mm-hmm. someone. And what does that word mean? I mean, the the the, the uh, prefix there, com, is with or together. It's compassion is to suffer with, right? So community is one together, with one. So to be in community is to say that we are together as one. Mm. We are united. And if you are in a group of people who are not, united then you don't have a community you have a collection of individuals and therefore you can't have an overarching moral schema because you're you're still not united and that's kind of where we find ourselves in our country right now right well i mean i like even the three of us are not in community with each other Hmm. malcolm has a different church i have a different church you have a different church we have different religious communities that we belong to. We're certainly friends, and we certainly, I think, you know, love and care about each other. But in the sense of community, we come from separate communities. Can you have multiple communities? I think you can, I've, as long as, like, I mean, I think that was kind of like America's thing was, you know, you're going to have a kind of a bunch of separate little worlds mm. of, you know, beliefs, and we're going to, and it's going to kind of be okay because we're going to like have this overarching idea that we're equal and that we shouldn't use force on each other. And yeah. so, you know, we're going to be able to have Muslims and Jews and Christians of all stripes and atheists and, you know, Buddhists and whatever and, and people of different political beliefs. And we're going to have, and they're all going to be able to live together because we're going to adhere to these principles. Like the shared morality of America basically is found in the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of, Bill of Rights. Well, and the and the the Declaration of the and uh, our I just lost my word. Constitution. Thank you. You're I will begin with a C. The Declaration and our Constitution and the Bill of Rights, like they are based upon what is common to man, right? Like what is the common need or what is the common right of, of man. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's like when I conceive of community, I conceive of, of, uh, yes, those individuals, but when they have something in common, when they, you know, that which is common amongst individuals creates community. And, and that's probably, probably a piece of why it's so fractured, um, because you get to have community in, 
according to all these different things, right? According to, um, according to your, you know, the place that you live, the place that you eat, the place that you work, the, the friends that you hang out with, what you do when you hang out and where, and, you know, I mean, even, you know, sports teams thrive on it, right? Like the fans of sports teams, like they have, they talk, you know, that's the way that it gets talked about, like the community of, of. It's how we keep the states from going to war with each other is they have sports teams do it instead. (laughs) Sort of like gladiators. (laughs) Send them into the ring. One shall emerge. Yes. (laughs) Um, That'd be an interesting, yeah. um, It's not really an Axiom episode, but just an interesting discussion for another time. Um, so So that which we have in common with one another, that which that which unifies us, um, is the thing. And, and that's, I just think that's a huge lack in our world today. We have, there's a lot of money to be made in really emphasizing what separates us. There's a lot of money to be made there. That's how you make a good consumer is someone who's completely unrestrained except for their individual choices of consumption. (laughs) <laughs> I have to drive an Audi. I probably didn't even say it right, <laughs> but because of who I am and what that represents. Um, I pronounce it A-U-D-I. A-U-D-I. <laughs> it's true. I mean, if you have, like, the reason that the type of morality we are seeing permeate American culture is so hyper-individualistic and so opposed to... Uh, it's tribalistic. Oh, it's, it's, it really is. Yeah. It is kind of tribalistic, but it uses that tribalism to fulfill the needs of. There's a facade of individualism within it. Because it's power struggles more than morality. It is. Well, right. So, I mean, again, I'm going back to why I say we don't actually have morality in this country and not an overarching one. Um, Was power struggles veiled as morality. Well, so let me finish my point. All right. Yeah, like, the, the reason that we're <laughs> not sure I want to anymore. We want to. Well, too bad. Can you hear it anyways? <laughs> Quick, press the button. Is it, yeah, <laughs> silence the microphone. Is <laughs> because for you know these corporations, which basically control every aspect of our lives, they depend upon your unfettered desire to consume. That's what they depend upon to survive. And not only that, but they depend upon creating new desires, which they can then say that they will fulfill. That's why we have a new edition of a car every year. Well, right. And so you need... <laughs> Ooh, the new, new Oldsmobiles are in early. You need more and more restraint to be taken away. So here's an a interesting twist, and this might be getting too far away, but we are those corporations. That's Am- how we pay our bills. There's an Amazon inside of every one of us. Well, I mean, some <laughs> of us work for Amazon. Too. Corporations are people too. I like. I, I mean, I, I I absolutely agree that there are there are things that are just are growing, 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 and like you know, you have a lot of our capital tied up in a few hands, but like we also we we all depend on that model to eat. Yes. That's so what makes it so insidious. Yeah. It's ah. well, because that's like, why we should just become communists. But no, I just lost all my clients. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't actually Actually we're gonna fire Mike uh, from yeah. the podcast. Okay, <laughs> so one of the th- one of the th- one of the things about like the 
it's it's an overabundance, right? So it's 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 not just the the creating desire, but it's it's just like out of this abundance, you get to satisfy, right? And and so because of the because of the abundance of the the prosperity of our society, that becomes the thing that is good. Like prosperity is good, right? And so, um, in you know, we'll make excuses for that in a number of different ways. Um, you know, why is it right for me to drive in how you die? How did you pronounce it? Almost a Hebrew. A you die. Yeah, I think that's a Hebrew name actually. A you die. Uh, uh, you know, why is it right for right for me to do that? It's like, well, because it's the safest car, you know, or something like that. Source, or, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, but like, well, you know, we'll we'll check ourselves, right? And we'll and we'll try to make it into like some sort of some sort of moral decision. It's cold in the winter. I needed heated seats. <laughs> I love heated seats. <laughs> But how do you justify driving a car at all when there are starving children in Africa? That's okay. So that's the thing about technology is that technology has allowed for this for this overabundance, right? And so we're extremely disconnected. Uh, we're extremely disconnected from the people around us, like immediately geographically around us, and we don't we don't um, we don't need them. I don't need my neighbor. Hmm. There's no need whatsoever that I have for them. They could move out tomorrow and. Except for the spiritual need that we have. Ah, but we're not paying attention to that. We're talking we're about morals here. We're not talking about spirituality. Please. <laughs> I'm is, glad that you recognize that those two things are disconnected. Partly <laughs> <laughs> I would be a little tongue-in-cheek, but... Um, because maybe they shouldn't be disconnected. No, um, probably shouldn't be. So what am I trying to get at? You know, the... Again, like, the ability to have these huge... Uh, these these huge problems uh, very much stems from very much stems from the place that we that we've come to with technology, which by the way we're making extreme use of right now. I know, <laughs> you know. I mean, okay, transportation alone, right? It's not the thing in and of itself. We're it getting is the use of the thing. Well, it, it it partly is, partly is, partly partly the use, partly the thing itself. If there were no lack, would it be more moral to use the thing however you wanted? If there were no lack. Like if, if there were no people lacking in the world. Well, like the, so the lack we have in the world right now is manufactured because we produce enough food and clothing and shelter that mm-hmm. we could everyone in the world could have food and clothing and shelter. But if we distributed that food and clothing and shelter to everyone in the world, would the people producing it then be at a point of lack because they are because of the way we'd have to discount things in order to well, make that supply work. Because we have turned our economy into like the thing in itself that needs to be maintained. Hmm. So the system we operate from is one of financial resource. It's a scarcity economy. When we and we still live that way from our primal brains when we were hunter gatherers and we always had to wonder where the next meal was coming from. So we still have that programmed into us. That's why I buy peanut butter and jelly, man. Right. I don't have to wonder. And also I want to say, like, the pro- <laughs> I think one of the problems is when you become old enough to realize how screwed up things are, like, you're already so heavily ensconced in the system that you can't remove yourself. Cause it's like, but now I have kids right, and a house and a job. And it's like, and now I'm realizing these huge moral dilemmas that come literally every time I pick something up off the shelf. You know what I really I need that I'm going to get on Amazon in two days? Right. I'm upset when I don't get it in like my prime delivery. I was like, come on, man. Like I'm, and I am aware that I am part of this. 
but that doesn't change the fact that it is inherently wrong in my opinion. And yet I am tied to it the same way everyone else is. And that realization, like we have to keep that realization from people long enough to make them dependent on a system so that they cannot rebel against it. That sounds very thought out. Is it? I think it's mainly unconscious. I think, and I mean, I think reason is always used to figure out something that was largely unconscious. I mean, this just, it kind of like developed because of natural human greed and power. And we weren't really thinking because we're all just trying to survive. And then it's like, oh, look, this is the world we live in now. We're doing terrible things to the environment. The only reason we're insanely prosperous is because we've made other countries (laughs) extremely impoverished Mm -hmm. through, I mean, like the reason we have bananas on our shelves is because they sent in a militia to kill a bunch of workers. You can look that up. That's a fact. I mean, there's blood on every single banana that you eat. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing, but that, you know, that's a great and like, picture. So, and, and it's like, now, so what, what do you do? We do? Like, what do, you, what do we do? I can remember, you know, going back to when I was super, super broke, uh, you know, living on food stamps and all of that. And uh, that was when I started to become so much more aware of the amount of, like, slave labor or, or basically slave labor based on the wages used to produce particularly cheap things. And here I am, you know, filling up my oil tank in my house with kerosene from the gas station because I can't afford the minimum delivery of oil. And I'm like agonizing over the fact that I I don't want to support this stuff anymore, but I also can't afford not to. What do I do? And, you know. Does, is morality removed from it? Is, I don't know. I, I guess that's a, a question that I mean I don't have a good answer for. So, to make a moral decision, right, is gen- generally considered as a as the right decision, right? To do the right thing, right, would be the moral decision. To make an immoral decision would be to do the wrong thing, right? So, is there an amoral decision? So, continue to support the slave labor because no, just, I am a slave myself. Is <laughs> there neutral ground? Is what you're saying? Yeah. Is there is there is there a decision to be made that is like there is no morality involved here my conscience would like to say that there is but i don't think so are you talking about in the circumstance i just presented or in general overall in general overall okay okay (laughs) i think there are some amoral decisions what am i going to eat for breakfast you could you could argue that there are immoral and and moral decisions but like assuming i have all things are equal and i have food in my cupboard it doesn't matter if i'm having uh, toast or pancakes? Assuming that all things are equal. I mean, you know, w- without trying to get into the... Well, the, 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 a vegan would say eggs would, or, you know, bacon would be immoral. That's true. I know somebody who's very, very against killing any animal. The the territory that we're venturing into here is 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 a doctrine. Or this is our this is the axiomatic doctrine of uh, Fowlerism, Dionism, and and uh, Bartonism. Bart- Bartonism. I prefer Bartonian. I would actually I was, thank you. Bartonian. I, I, <laughs> spelled differently. I wanted to go for for Thomasism, but I you know what what's there's a Thomism. It's, it's the theological school of thought based off of uh, Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, there we go. 
I was like, hmm. it's already taken, unfortunately. <laughs> well, that's I. I was trying to go. I was going to give you that orthodox. Uh, like I appreciate he was Catholic, but oh. you know, thank you though for trying. Yeah. Next time, <laughs> so he got confused by the saint. He did, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm struggling to differentiate Catholicism and orthodoxy. I I got the orthodoxy is the the blockchain of Christianity. Right. Yes. And, yeah. and, uh, that's starting to make more sense. I'll explain that to you later, Malcolm. But <laughs> it's okay. Funny. It's Let's okay. go. <laughs> yeah, where did we go to? Amoral uh, decision. The amoral decision. Well, and the and uh, b- because the you know the the situations that we're describing and everything um I used to not think that where I shopped needed to have a moral quality to it, right? Hmm. Um even though interestingly it, it oftentimes got portrayed as that way, right? Um, I noticed this with the the rise of the Prius. Um, that I know it, <laughs> it sounds like a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> if you've it, met Prius drivers, it definitely is a horror <laughs> film. My dad I've drove one a Prius for a while. <laughs> it's like all the smug. I've met one or two that aren't that bad. Well, so yeah, the, the well, the self satisfied nature of it, right? Like the the virtue signaling of it and everything. But but it's it it, bega- it began to be. It was sort of marketed as like the better choice, right? As almost like the moral choice, like the right choice for the environment, and 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 it, and it sort of struck me as odd because I thought, I don't know that I've ever really thought about like a car as a moral choice, right? All the lithium mines in Africa that little kids are mining, and so that they can feel better about themselves. Well, there again, like I mean, if if I'm gonna argue against the system, which is easy to do then like a lot of it needs needs to be dismantled and we probably need to go way back to more of an agrarian type society which makes the amish sort of a little more they're like the least culpable yes exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah. well and probably quite a few poor folks in some other countries that are trying to just subsist by the work of their of their hands right because that's the other thing is that like you know you talk about I'm getting off track. You talk about, you know, how we could feed, clothe, and house everybody in the world, right? But you make a slave there as well. Because one of the things that communities have always had an had a, a an outlook towards is that people have their place, right? And that, like, you have a responsibility within your community to do something. But we don't even try to give these people a place. We just cast them aside. Sure, sure. But but just just saying like put them here like hey, we we created this housing complex for you and we're going to give you clothing and we're going to give you food and you won't have to worry about anything. Well, we have those already. You can get those. You can get into one of those very easily. I'm pretty sure Christ would just say feed them, clothe them, house them. I'm not arguing against that. What I'm saying is is that the, the is that the that doesn't again, that doesn't change the nature of the person that doesn't change the nature of the problem you're still just dealing with the material problem not with the deeper problem i agree but they've also done and i'm not programs. saying that we shouldn't house house clothe and well, feed people I, I, I want to be clear <laughs> about that it's probably Constant easier to listener. deal with like the, uh, the, uh, the like the spiritual aspect of it once like I don't think you can do it otherwise right. yeah because yeah. otherwise yeah. otherwise you just end up into to, into totalitarianism you just end up into the bean counters. Oh, you made how much this? Well, a port, you know, this much of that has to go. We'll give you this back. 
I mean, it wouldn't even be like saying like, we're just only going to take this, this much. It's like, we're going to take all of it and we're going to give this portion of it back because we've determined that that's your allotment. So this is like, this is why, I mean, I said earlier, like through like the solution that's so often proposed, I find just as abominable. Like, yeah. When people are like, oh, you don't like capitalism? Cool. Like you're a socialist? Like, no. I, I went straight for the throat with communism. I know, you're just really full-blown. It's like, I'm not... I don't think there's an ism out there that's going to solve the problem. I don't think there's an ism either. I'm, I, I really don't. I'm opposed to any and all isms. Amoralism. I, we, we, were, we, were, we were touching on that yeah. for a moment here. That's what I'm trying to come back to. I got distracted because Tom, Tom's got my dander up. Um, <laughs> talking about feeding and clothing and <laughs> thousand people. How dare you talk about taking <laughs> yes, care of the yeah. poor? <laughs> you don't even know what poor is. Yeah. You're an American. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Which is also, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> but no, I, I find e- like, this is what makes all this so complicated what we're talking about because I do, uh, objectively, I know that even like the impoverished people here in this country have it really good compared to impoverished people in other parts of the world. Yeah. But to say to like the impoverished American who's living from paycheck to paycheck, well, you know. Well, so you need to give more. You need, it's like, you know, you're, you've got it lucky compared to those other people. It's like, yeah, but I, like in this country, I'm trying not to die. Let, let me flip that on its head a little bit too, because like you look at a homeless person here, they've got to hide. Like you can't just be homeless and That's set true. up shop somewhere. Yeah. In Africa, my, my, Megan and I were in Africa. We went to a poor community and at the very least they were like, Hey, I got some scrap metal. I'm building a home here. And there's a community of people, and they take care of each other. Uh, I'm not saying that they technically have it better than than our homeless people, but at the very least, nobody's coming in from the government being like, you can't live here. So they have at least some stability in that sense. Granted, they're, you know, stuck there. With, you know, there, there's no, at least to the best of my knowledge, there are no so- social programs to help them get a leg up, but... Well, that's – and see, that's one of the things about – you know, we oftentimes in America, because we are a country that has a great abundance, we think of poverty as like a lack of something we, or, or uh, it is a lack. But we think of it as a lack of material material possessions essentially or material provision, right? And oftentimes it's more a – it's more a lack of choice. It's more a yeah. lack of power, right? And so in your example of the communities, right, like taking care of one another, there's an empowerment there. Because right. now they're like depending upon one another, right? And so it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, they're like, they're rich in one way that we're not. Right. Our, our homeless people, I mean, we, I know we got a guy, he, he may not even be around anymore, but like he would r- roam off into the woods over between Springfield and North Springfield and camp out there. Um, and because of who he is, you know, single dude, no kids or whatever, getting that government support is really hard. And he's an outcast to yeah. any community. It's like when people talk about, you know, how much they need to do for the poor while living in a gated community. Where where do you draw the line? You know, like how much how much do I really do for the poor? And I live in a nice house. I mean, I know I, this is what this is the thing is like how I feel like we try, and I feel like maybe even like what I'm trying to do, or like what we're all trying to do here, is to like make ourselves less culpable. Morality's good for that. So back to to the, back to the amoral thing. Um, 
part of me wants there to be an amoral thing, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you can that you can say that you that there is an an amoral decision. You know, one without with neither you know morality or immorality. Um, I don't think you can have either. Everything is moral or nothing is moral. I agree. I guess that's what I mean. Um, I might, I might and, look and, that and later, but everything has cosmic ramifications, or else nothing does. Well, and and you're 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 sort of bringing up the the the, the point of it, Mike. I think a little bit in in saying, you know, like I'm trying to provide for my family, but in order to provide for my family, I have to sort of engage in this system mm-hmm. that is oppressing and even killing people. But I don't have a choice. So you're poor. You have poverty, like deep-seated poverty that maybe you didn't even realize. We are all poor. We all have great, great poverty because we are all born into this thing that is destroying itself. Yeah. um, Sorry, I didn't mean to ruin your day. Well, I mean, I've... Luckily, I'm depressed, so you can't ruin mine. <laughs> I'll get to you later. <laughs> you guys call yourself realists. I just call myself a disappointed optimist. Um, that sounds like pessimism <laughs> with extra words. <laughs> just a bunch of extra steps. I like to make things complicated. I'm a programmer. Uh, maybe all. Maybe all. <laughs> it, it's... Um, uh, I mean, there's, I, there's a... There's a spiritual poverty there that I I can see and I can relate to. I I did not appreciate, and you know I tell my stories of, of living in in poverty, uh, you know American poverty and and working paycheck to paycheck poverty, not homelessness poverty, but you know one bad day away from that. Um, there is a, an appreciation that I learned for what that life is by living it that most people who've never experienced that don't get. Um, so I, I, I am a little bit more cautious to be like, hey, we're all poor because we, we're all stuck in this system and it's destroying itself when like there is genuine poverty. There are people who are like, they can't think about tomorrow because today is so much at risk. Um, yeah. No, no, I, okay, so... One of you needs to say something. All right, so... <laughs> I, wanna, I want to like try to like look at this from a different side, too. Uh, first of all, I find it interesting that our, like, we immediately extrapolate out to the practical aspects of the society we live in when seeking to like talk about morality. On a universal scale, morality is American. Right. Well, we no. just, I mean, we, I think that we just prove our point that it has that community aspect yeah. to it, right? Because it's like we're going to determine it based upon our own perspective. Yeah. Second, I mean, I think it is not, like, it's not all bad. Like, this, like we're, like, looking at, like... Who is this sitting over there right now? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, if it's, if it's a good to feed and clothe and help someone, then it's also good that you are fed and clothed and housed. Yes. And you have to have the resources to feed and clothe the other. To what degree? Right. So like it's, 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 it is definitely a question of degree, 
but we can't ignore and I'm trying I'm trying to just like bring myself back from my my railing against everything here to be more level headed because like that's on like our cover cover you have to get louder no no no, it's okay it's like it's good because sometimes we all have to go through that process of being like oh yeah so I'm trying to bring myself back a little bit but like we have actually created I think positive goods through the abundance in our society it's definitely definitely medically Mm. we're a giving country right like like statistically uh america gives a heck of a lot more money and i mean individually yeah like individual americans give a lot more to charity than in other places i think it speaks to the fact that we can have it so good in this country even when we live at the poverty level um, and not everyone. There are people in a very extreme, dire poverty in this country. But even the person living the paycheck to paycheck, who's stressing all the time, has it, you know, pretty good. It speaks to something within us that is actually decent, that we feel crappy about having it so good. Hmm. Like we feel guilty. Yeah, like that's a, that's... I actually feel a little guilty that there are starving children in Africa. Like, you know, and like here I am you know, with a few more pounds than I need to have on my frame and, uh, you know, and, you know, clothes that I can, you know, wear every day and wash, wash and food. It's like clean water, clean water. Like it's good. Like there's something it, like, it speaks to an actual moral compass inside of you that you have that guilt, that you're not indifferent, even if you don't know what to do. Like the fact that we just spent, I don't know, what, half an hour like talking about being trapped in this and like our own participation and the negative aspects of it. You know. But we live in a we live in a system that allows for that too. It's true, right? So is it just another aspect of our comfort that we can like, oh, like moral hand wringing? You know what's wrong with America? Yeah. Like me cuz I keep shopping at Walmart instead of buying locally made goods. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's certainly what's wrong with America is certainly not the fact that we get to call it into question. What's wrong with America is not the fact that we get to call. Oh, okay. That we're yeah, free yeah. enough to call into question. Like these the, the people on YouTube complaining about YouTube censorship yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> Irony. Yeah. No, no, I hear what, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I think, I think because in the, in the past, a lot of these questions wouldn't have been, just wouldn't have been a question, right? Like the people on the other side of the mountain, you only saw them once a year when yeah. you went to trade with them or something like that. And if you showed up and during trading season and they were all dead because of a plague, like you'd feel bad, but you wouldn't look back at yourself and go, you know, cause you had no idea, right. You wouldn't look back and go, what, what could we have done? I mean, maybe yeah. you would have, but the answer would have been like, well, we would have had to know, you know, one of the things about living in the, in the, in the global world that we do, I think we're, is that we now know these things, right. And now because we have the capability to, to do something about them in a practical way, um, we're very much in the throes of trying to find ourselves again, of trying to figure out and make and, and, and determine that balance of like, okay, I live in America, which is, and I'm, you know, one of the very small percentage of people in the world that realistically doesn't lack anything. Right. If you make more than thirty thousand dollars a year, you're in the one percent of the world's population. That's my, exactly my point. And so I now have to make a determination and say, what do I do with or do without for the sake of something else? Right. Do you think? 
I'm for sorry. the sake of somebody else. Do you think that since how we started off talking about morality, I think that's where <laughs> we're still coming. We're about coming it. back. <laughs> we're, yeah, we've. Uh, I like. I like where we've gone. No, but. I do too. Do you? Do you think that this, like, let's say, global sense of consciousness, that's probably more or less inevitable with the expanding technology and uh, you know virtual, yep, uh, information. Do you think that that is calling us? Is it not? not I'm not going to say calling us, because I think it could equally be calling us to a deeper immorality. But do you think it's challenging us to a different type of morality? That it's challenging us to at least work out the good in a broader sense than we have before. In a way. In a way, I think it both. I think it does, and it doesn't. Um, it it and it oftentimes leaves us with a sense of powerlessness, which is unfortunate. Um, it, it 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 brings us to a to a point of a lot of inevitable things, right? Um, and the the powerlessness thing is 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 sort of a piece of it, right? So, um, I I can I can help people in other countries. In, in some very immediate ways. But I'm still sort of powerless to change their position, right? And what I mean is, is like I could send money for food to somebody, but I can't actually, unless I like pack myself up, unless I go and become a, become a part of their country or their community or something, I can't do a whole lot about the warlord that is stealing their food and stealing that money, Right. So it, it 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 it's it's two edged. It's two sided because it both gives us this sense of of like um, it both gives us this sense of like having to expand our understanding of something, and it also leaves us like very very localized because it leaves us with that sense of like what can I do? I don't know that there is anything that I can do, and it, and that I mean if you're if you're somebody who cares about the good. And I do believe there are people like that out there. I mean, that just—I mean—that ultimately leaves you with a little bit of anxiety if you're only looking at it from a materialistic standpoint, right? If you look at it from a real religious standpoint, if you look at it from a faith standpoint, you can engage there. You can engage in in prayer. You can engage in well, prayer is the biggest one. I'm just going to stick with that because what you're looking at is, is because if you if you come from a faith standpoint. Then you look at something like that, and you go, "I might not be able to directly do something like do something there, but I do believe that though that those are people that God cares about, and I do believe that God can do something there. And maybe at some point, God is going to call me to do something there. And now we've sort of come back around to morality, because now you're talking about who determines that morality, right? I don't think that technology leaves us with it; just leaves us with questions. It just leaves us with anxieties. It just leaves us with just the inner self, again, that morality doesn't change. What do you think? Do you have... Because I want to ask the opposite of that question after. Yeah, I'm I'm just deeply distracted. I, I ignored a phone call, but, you know, now I'm can like... You repeat, you, can what, you repeat uh, the first question? Because I've forgotten it as well. So I first, just answered it and the, I don't remember The question it. was, is this kind of like global awareness leading us to a more, I guess, expanded view of the good or broader working out of the good. And so I'm answering yes and no. 
Yeah. Okay. So like my my the, like the converse would be uh, <laughs> is this kind of global consciousness making us ignore the moral action we could actually take in our own communities because we're so wrapped up in the problems of the world or in the problems of the country that we're ignoring the thing that we can do just down the road. It's the danger. Yeah, it's the danger of it for sure. Um, If you're truly having your eyes open to it, you might just be able to see the fact that your neighbor is suffering. And and that that I think is the far, I think we have to make that, moral gradation of our, of our determine, determining of what is moral, right? Is it more moral for me to help somebody on the other side of the world and ignore my neighbor? Or is it, or is it, I, I sort of phrased that wrong, or is it, or should it be more moral to help my neighbor because they're the ones that are right next door to me? They're right. the ones that I can actually really, really have an impact on. And I think that the, I, I would say, I would say the neighbor. Right, because like I... Which isn't to ignore the person on the no, other side of the world. No, it's not to ignore Who that. is my neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> but like, Clearly, it's the person that I come across on, this, on the side of the road that has been beaten and is bloodied. That, right. That's actually, so the way that I've, I've perceived, so just by the way, for what I'm talking about here, uh, is the, uh, the Good Samaritan parable where Jesus tells a story about a guy who is walking along and, uh, well, actually... Somebody who's beat up and left for dead and is ignored by a lot of like religious elites, essentially, and then some guy supposedly comes along. moral people, yeah, supposedly moral people, and then some guy who's actually like the of outcast. the opposing religion, yeah, uh, he comes supposedly along, supposedly immoral person, <laughs> right, and helps this guy takes like takes him to a, a hotel or you know what the equivalent of a hotel in first century uh, Rome, but uh, or Israel, and. Uh, you know, takes care of him, pays his bills and stuff. So, like, that for me has always been like, okay, what are what are some of the elements? Number one, the person that I come across, the need that I that I meet, that I can, that I encounter, that I can actually meet. Like, if I were to come across that guy and I had no money to put him up in a hotel, I don't think that you know, I'd be responsible to put him up in a hotel. But I would be responsible to take some sort of action to try to get him connected with somebody who could, right? And I can't do that for somebody in New Zealand. Community. So Community. this is, yeah. and that's what really like bothers me when I see a lot of the stuff I just take to be virtue signaling. People are like, like it, I agree. Like, you know, there is stuff that should just, that you should, you know, the, the proper response is outrage. You know, the, the proper response is, is, is anger. Well, when I, you said when you said virtue signaling, I was thinking you know like I put a I put a Ukrainian flag up around my picture on Facebook. Right, like I stand with Ukraine. Like, okay, sure. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I I don't know what to do about that. Exactly, like, I don't know what to do about that. You either. just want to punch Putin in the face, right? Yeah, but you can't. But you can't. So, but there so, are small things that you can do. Right, you can right. donate. But my point is. Like you can't let that outrage for these global things stop you from doing what you can actually do to make the world better around you. Right. Right. If if you're like, oh, I'm just I'm just so overwhelmed with what's going on in the world. It's like there are people that you could help right now in your community. And and that's what I wonder if is is if is the danger. Like there's there's a there's good uh, that comes with a more 
global awareness. There's also the danger to ignore what's right in front of your face. And that's the person you can feed next right. to you, the person that you can clothe next to you. It's the person who needs compassion and a shoulder to cry on and friendship. And that's all around us. So like, you know, if we're going to talk about making the world a better place, like we all have chances to make the world a better place every single day. And it starts within our own hearts. Uh, and it radiates out from there. It's, it's the lie of politics, right? Where we believe that the most important thing we can do is vote for the right guy for president. In reality, the most important thing in, in politics to make actual change in your community is local politics. And that's the stuff most of us ignore. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I've learned that lesson because my dad uh, got into local politics in the town that he grew up in because he felt like he wanted to sort of give back to the community, you know. And, and he had that ability, and I could see that, like, there were things that he could directly impact there. Yeah. Not a lot of people get to see that. No, no. There's also, there's also a, a stark, uh, there's a stark reality to this community aspect that we're talking about, uh, which is that people have become far and far less uh, socially engaged with people around them. We have, we have, you know, the, the trend for social engagement in our world has gone down um, we have, in meaningful, in, in, in more, more meaningful ways. Yeah. We have like <laughs> subreddit communities. Right. Right. <laughs> my, my most uh, connected business community is online. It's people all over the country. It's, it's because like we have become highly, without a global or excuse, not global, without an overarching communal uh, system of belief, right? Without some type of metaphysic that binds us all together, like we're left to kind of like, well, it's, it's the, and again, it's the market. Like we, we have, we have, we pick and choose from the market of beliefs and we kind of put together our own tinker toy God, even if we're an atheist. And then we find other people whose tinker toy God um, resembles ours resembles just ours enough. just enough. And then like, and we, we just, you know, we hang out with them, probably not really in person. They've actually done studies about the decline in actual personal relationships in youth today, mm. like one-on-one -on -one friendships where you're actually hanging out at a physical location. Um, yeah, all that stuff's gone down. It's all and, going and down. Not just with youth, but all the way across the board. Um, and so I can't help but think that that's got an impact upon our our immoral or moral society well, right it's, now. It's, it's, it's the result of relativizing moral systems and trying to, they're always going to be a little bit relative. They're always, I agree. Like, I mean, if we're talking about cultures, I mean, I, I mean, I believe there's an absolute transcendent good. And this is why I differentiate morality from that because morality usually is a system of man. I think it might be our best guess yeah. at how to hit that good. So, I mean, I'm not a relativist. I believe that there is absolute truth out there, which means that there's an absolute code of conduct. So this uh, this is going to sound like the answer might be a little bit obvious and like uh, like the question is a little bit naive, but I'm, I, and I'm going to ask that we, we're going to leave ourselves with this for this episode uh, because we're approaching our time here. Uh, what is the goal of morality? 
and 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 like I said, that <laughs> my, don't hit that button yet, Mike. Uh, what is what is the goal of morality? What does it achieve? What is it what does it aim to achieve? That's 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 the question I'm going to leave us with. And the, and there's aspects of this that I think that you know we need to continue to continue to talk about, which is always exciting to me. Um, but uh, but what is what is the goal of that? Because um, I think you were sort of indicating something there, Thomas, when you were talking about believing in the greater good or the transcendent good, and that and separating that from morality. Um, and I think the goal of it is is also sort of wrapped up in who gets to determine what it is. So, so I'm going to leave us there. I'm going to leave us there. Thank Sounds you. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you have my consent. Oh, thank you. That's just what I needed. <laughs> You're That's welcome. exactly what I was waiting because for. Because there can be no morality without consent. It really depends upon the consent of the room. You know what? Let's go for another 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I consent to that as well. Oh, fine. <laughs> Everyone listening is like, you're no. just, you're just, you'll go any way the wind blows. You're like a wave tossed right. upon the sea. I'd like to think more like the spirit. Who can tell where it comes from and where it goes? You can only feel its actions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can definitely feel you. Um, <laughs> we're gonna thank you, constant listener, for it's kind of like a burning sensation. <laughs> There's a cream, I think, for it. So, <laughs> Thank you, Constant Listener, for joining us. Uh, we are grateful, as always, for your, your presence with us and for your joining in the dialogue that we have and for, for what it is that we talk about. Uh, we have you in mind, and we hope that, uh, we hope that you have enjoyed this, and we will, we will be with you next time. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or found it challenging, please like and share with your friends. You can find us online at pokethexiom.com and join the conversation yourself at facebook.com forward slash pokethexiom. Your hosts were Malcolm Fowler, Thomas Barton, and Mike Dion. This episode was recorded at the Black River Innovation Campus in Springfield, Vermont, and is sponsored by Indelible Inc., a web agency driven to perfect your digital presence.